because yeah i mean with an eating disorder you're faced with food constantly throughout the day so every day you're having to make this choice of do i say yes to recovery or do i say maybe do i say no hi this is shlomo salson the host of the teenage impact podcast where we share stories tips and strategies on how you as a teenage kid can overcome your daily struggles in life. If you're tuning in for the very first time and you've listened to some of these episodes, it's been, uh, it's been very helpful for you, it's been useful, go ahead, rate and review the Teenage Impact Podcast. I'm trying to be ranked higher so I can inspire more teens. If you have a friend, a family member, a classmate who's in this funk, who can't seem to get out of it, recommend the Teenage Impact Podcast to them because I have interviewed so many people from all around the world, from all different types of struggles, anywhere from suicidal, anxiety, depression, dwarfism, paralyzed. Today's podcast guest is Francesca Rose. Francesca is an author, blogger, and influencer that lives in South Africa, inspiring people to overcome eating disorders and have a healthy relationship with food. She herself has gone through some of these types of struggles. In 2009, she started receiving help for going through anorexia, orthorexia, and having an exercise addiction. Today's podcast episode is going to be on her journey and different healing strategies on how you can overcome eating disorders. Give it up for Francesca Rose. I'm so lucky to have Francesca Rose with me today. How are you, Francesca? Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Now, Francesca is someone I met on Instagram. She is a vegan. She went through a lot of different types of struggles. Francesca, you mentioned that you recover from anorexia, orthorexia, exercise addiction. Um, Before we go into your story, can you tell the audience a little bit more about what those mean? Sure. So anorexia um, is a form of an eating disorder where one would heavily restrict their food intake, usually to, to lose weight. It is sometimes noticeable from an outsider's perspective and sometimes is not um, because while there are um, external things that one could see, such as a loss of a menstrual cycle or losing a lot of weight, um, hair falling out, being very moody, depressed, anxious. There's also a lot of internal thoughts that preoccupies the mind around, around food. And that's often what people don't see. And orthorexia, is similar but it is a preoccupation with clean eating and this desire to eat pure food whatever one's own personal definition of what healthy food is they would be ascribing to that form of like super super healthy food and that can lead into overall lifestyle to the type of water that comes out of the shower to how they prepare food. And it often results in people just not really being particularly sociable with friends or family because um, they don't want anybody else to 
prepare their food. They have to know what's going into everything. An exercise addiction, I guess, as the name implies, is just an obsession with exercising and often used as a way to numb out hard feelings, to make up for any foods that were eaten. It's a form of, can be sometimes as a form of punishment. If one doesn't complete the exercise or exercises of the day, there's a lot of anxiety and restlessness and, and guilt. Yeah, I guess that kind of hopefully describes the those three terms. Yeah, and then uh, what age did you realize that you're going through these issues? Well, I think from a very young age, I had quite an awareness of what was healthy and what was not. But my eating disorder started around kind of mid-2007, going into 2008. Not everybody picked that up early on, but my my thought patterns around food started to become more obsessive. Uh, and by 20, 2008, 2009, which was my final year at school, people began to notice. Uh, and at the end of my school year, so at the end of 2009, uh, I went to a clinic for treatment as, a, as an inpatient. Mm-hmm. for a few weeks and that was the start of yeah a long journey prior to that while I was still in school I was seeing a dietitian and, and going to a therapist but not particularly convinced of recovery just kind of going through the motions so to speak and why do you think you were going to, through those eating disorders or is this something happening in school what people were saying is it something that you were looking in social media what was it mm. yeah I mean many many things that that all added up at the roots of my eating disorder is this big fear of rejection and this fear of becoming a woman and what it means to fully step into myself and by controlling this shape of my body kind of pre-puberty in this like pre-puberty type form with this childlike form uh, I was trying to control um, these very scary changes that were happening to my body yeah I guess it, it was this this fear of of this greatness and this fear that if I let everything go my whole world will spin out of control. Um, So that was one aspect. The other aspect was this perfectionist inside of me that wanted to be the best. And I had this very sick and twisted uh, mentality that by being the thinnest person in the room, being the smallest person in the room, and still being able to get good grades at school and being able to do all these other extra um, extramurals and sports and things like that. I just felt like I was this superhuman, it was like very dark, twisted, ego-centric approach to life, which really wasn't helping me in any way. And so, yeah, it was a way of keeping, of staying small uh, and not letting things get out of hand. But Often when that happens is that if you if you uh, you you kind of become numb because the the hard feelings that you're trying to block off this wall that you're creating to not feel this vulnerable aspects of yourself you you don't feel the really 
tough emotions you also don't feel all the wonderful emotions so life becomes kind of gray and very sad really I think those that was kind of what was going on I think I also really wanted to hold on to this identity of being the small person and um, my eating disorder gave me an identity and I kind of didn't know who I was without it towards the end of high school you started developing these behaviors in between you know, developing this behavior. Can you go into a little bit in specific on what those behaviors were? Like from what you did before to what you were doing in the end of high school? Well, I just started changing what I ate. Okay. And I started changing how much I ate. Um, I didn't want anybody to prepare my food. So that meant that I didn't really go out, you know, to eat out with friends or birthday parties so I also kind of became quite reclusive and isolated I became quite sneaky around what I ate and would lie and that was the same with exercise would lie about how much exercise I did and when I was doing it yeah I mean that's kind of the broad picture of what went down <laughs> mm-hmm. and what's that turning point in your life where you decided to get help yeah, I've I've had that question before, and I, for me, my recovery has been this very very slow process, and it's still it's still ongoing. I think that there were just many people along the way who who helped. I I, I came at who all came at a very good time. Obviously, when I was ready for them, the the clinic, as difficult as it was, definitely saved my life in many respects. As much as I resisted it 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 was a big help I also did some solo traveling and just got this like wonderful fresh perspective on life again and kind of reclaimed my my power and independence Uh, and around that time I also decided to go off the contraceptive pill which essentially the pill gives this fake um, this fake menstrual cycle I was still still getting a period when I knew that I was still technically underweight, but from the outside, it looked like everything was fine and happening because my period was coming every month. Anyway, when I went off the pill, I knew that I would have to gain weight if I wanted to establish a healthy and regular cycle. And so while I was traveling, that was something that I did. I just threw all of my pills in the bin and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to get anything from the chemist while traveling and that was definitely that was definitely the start of of something as well where did you travel to well i was yeah i traveled for about six and a half months and i was in the states i was in central america and europe and when that incident happened when i just threw all those pills away i was volunteering at a yoga retreat in like the middle of nowhere in spain yeah, so that was that was quite an empowering trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think, like with for me with recovery, it really just has been time and getting a bit older and just slowly learning to realize my own self worth and realize my 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 greatness through the mm-hmm. help of others and yeah, just <laughs> doing stuff. Yeah, I, I was going through some of your posts and you uh, someone did ask that. So what has been your biggest challenge with the whole recovery? 
besides you know patient the whole patience part yeah the 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 probably the, the trickiest thing is trying to remember that my body doesn't define who i am ultimately an eating disorder is not necessarily like a direct link to food it's this unhealthy coping mechanism that that has kind of that i've chosen that's kept me safe and i think the the biggest challenge of my recovery is just really learning to to trust my greatness really not to really care what people think too much and not be too concerned about being perfect all the time or being the best in the room and so a lot of ego stuff <laughs> so yeah. were you saying that a, a lot of it stems from not from food actually but from you know your mind and trying to really understand who you are as a person and trying to be more self-aware of who you are and what you're capable of doing. And that's not directly linked to food. You use, you use food, but instead you're kind of working on being a little bit more self-aware with your own self. So it's a, really a journey within yourself. A hundred percent. Really well said. Yeah, that's exactly it. Totally. And a lot of it is, becoming comfortable with allowing that those vulnerabilities to shine and that's kind of how that's really how we all connect if we can all share our vulnerabilities with one another we 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 connect and that's what we all really want at the end of the day is to be seen by others and 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 appreciated for who we are and an eating disorder really creates this big wall that kind of is around what was around me and hid hid myself from myself and hid myself from other people and all all my vulnerabilities were signs of weakness and I was afraid of my emotions and of my emotions getting too big and so yeah that wall was was to protect myself and then I just became isolated and and very sad. (laughs) What has been some of the best healing strategies that you've implemented? Hmm. Look, I do think therapy is great if if one can get access to it, and there are some some great affordable ways to go about it over and above just you know one on one private practice type therapy. If one has can get access to um, a counselor or even a dietitian who practices in intuitive eating or the Hayes model, which is called which stands for health at every size think that's that's definitely the route to go i know like it, it sounds it sounds like all cliched and like obvious but i mean they're obvious because because they work meditation being in nature dancing mantras yoga community friends journaling yeah also i i do use and i do microdose with with mushrooms, which I know is maybe not legal everywhere, but I find that um, it's been a very powerful way to basically re, re rewire my brain. So that yeah, that's a whole other that's a whole other topic. But again, it's just like if you ultimately, actually, if you want to get better, or how recovery really works is just this internal desire to to get better because you can go to all the therapy 
all the therapy therapies and all the dietitian appointments and you can sit there and you can say the right things because also with an eating disorder you do become quite sneaky which is a very dark side that that comes up which is not you uh, and one also has to really make peace with those kind of sneaky manipulative things that that we that we've done or that I've done whatever and so yeah I guess it's just that commitment at every meal to make the the choice of recovery and only that can come from from oneself from within and it's so true because just with anything I know when I used to have anxiety and you know I had anxiety for the longest time I would always try to get better but then I would never get better but as soon as I made that decision hey I'm going to do whatever it takes is that between the 95% commitment and the 100% commitment those who oh. make the 95% commitment and say they try it's another way of saying hey I try my best but if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But when you go all in and you say, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes to actually mm-hmm. try to recover. And that's when the road to recovery becomes substantially faster. Or if you even have any goals that has nothing to do with recovery, when you go all in versus when you make a 95% commitment, most of the time, someone who goes all in gets what he or she wants. Versus someone yeah. who says they're going to try their best and try these different things. Most of the time or half the time, it doesn't work out. Yeah, agreed. And also if you go all in and there are days where you, it doesn't work out, that's also okay. Yeah. Just also have that, um, that, comp- that self-compassion. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, with an eating disorder – you're faced with food constantly throughout the day. So every day you're having to make this choice of do I say yes to recovery or do I say maybe, do I say no? And just to kind of continue on that path, whatever decision you make, just keep on going and mm-hmm. as much as possible choose choose to say yes. Now how yeah. can someone how can someone deal with body image uh, struggles? Good question. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've we've been told that there's a certain body type that we have to achieve. And this body type, this kind of thin ideal, uh, comes with many associations, such as if you look a certain way, you are considered more attractive, but you're also considered more successful and more productive and more efficient, smart, even intelligent. And yeah, it's, it's amazing how someone with one body comes with all these associations versus someone in usually a larger body is dis- discriminated against or has we stereotype a person in a larger body to be X, Y, and Z. And so with body image, it's actually kind of just saying like efforts, like screw it to you know all of these um constructed associations around a specific body type and to to try as much as possible not chase this created bullshit really 
because we all come in we all come into this world in in a temple and each temple looks different and we can't all look the same but someone somewhere along the line said that we should you're a bad person if you don't look like that and so it's just yeah it's kind of saying no to those societal pressures and peer pressure and media pressure and parental pressure and like all the pressure it's intense it's not easy so I, I have compassion for everybody including myself who struggle with body issues because it's not easy just to like you know get over it's constant those messages are being bombarded constantly at us especially as social media now too oh god they are totally yeah, when I actually didn't realize this until I was probably in college or actually a little bit after college. You know, I, I always used to hear other people. I I always used to hear women, you know, always being a certain body image. And when I was younger, I never understood. But I know for men, a lot of them look for, you know, success and money. And so that's, I start comparing myself with those men. Because society puts this label on you that you have to be a certain body image or you have to have a certain level of success by a certain level of age. And so especially with social media, what people don't realize is that everyone has their own journey and everyone really has their own process and everyone has their own style. It's not, it's not a one-size-fit-all. And when you think it's a one-size-fit-all because of what your friend group tells you, or what social me- you see on social media, then you really you know think of you really do a certain thing to a, a certain level of degree and extremity, yeah. and it's just because what someone else made up. But you really have to find within, you know, during this process, you really have to find within what's right for you. Yeah, no, totally. The the comparison game is a dead end game, and just results in just extreme unhappiness and unfortunately social media just makes it just I mean we all know we all know it but we all forget it that social media just provides a tiny little sliver of life which is that sliver that little sliver is also constructed and so when we start comparing ourselves to that we're comparing ourselves to something that is not real but it's so easy to forget that I don't know why. It's it's hard because when you're when you're fifteen, sixteen years old, especially in school, kids are cruel. Kids are gonna make fun of you. Doesn't matter what you are, doesn't matter how perfect you are. Kids will always try to find something Mm -hmm. to make fun of you for or bully you for. What would you what are what what are three tips you would give to a fifteen, sixteen year old that's going through that same thing? Oh gosh. I mean I just like I'm just imagining myself at that age. Just like want to give her a big hug and just tell her that you may not believe me, but it's gonna be okay. I know it doesn't feel like every I know it feels like nothing's okay, but it will be. And um, I guess just I didn't understand that the concept of, of of projections when I was younger, and how when people when people say something mean to you, 
or hurt you in some way, it's often it's often just a projection that they're working through some stuff, but they're using you to deflect their to deflect the pain. And so I would remind people who, if they are going through bullying, that I'm so sorry that you are the person on the receiving end, but it's not you. And that person who's hurting you is going through some serious pain and trauma right now, and you may not be aware of it. And I know it's hard not to take things personally when that, when that pain is so real and so felt, but sometimes people act in very mean ways without even realizing it. Yeah. And so in those situations, like speak out and be honest and speak to somebody who you feel safe with. Because when I, I mean, when I got bullied, I, I kept it in and I didn't tell anybody and it was really, really hard. And then with my eating disorder, I didn't, I didn't say anything. And it was really, really hard. Yeah. I don't know if I have any tips. <laughs> um, that was, I guess, more of a reflection than, than, than practical tips. Maybe I have to think about that. I mean, yeah, the best thing you can do is speak out. Speak yeah. out. You know, don't... Uh, many times we think we're weak if we speak out that we're getting bullied. Mm-hmm. But in reality, mm-hmm. you can't get help if you don't talk to anyone about it. It's so true. Yeah, I mean... That's definitely it. I I felt like I was going to get into trouble and that I was weak mm-hmm. if I if I said something. Yeah, and yeah, I want to get into the misconceptions. What are some misconceptions of having a di- um, eating disorder? Mm. Well, as I as I said in the beginning, someone who may not look like they have an eating disorder may very well have an eating disorder or may have disordered eating. So there's no specific body type. Like anybody can have an eating disorder. Uh, that's definitely one of them. It's it's funny because I I was told that people with eating disorders never get over it. That it's something that if you have an eating disorder, quote unquote, you'll never be able to get rid of it. And I believed that for a very long time. And I think that actually kept me more sick than than healthy and possibly also made me quite complacent with my recovery because you can get to like a very comfortable place where on the outside it kind of looks like you're doing all the right things to be in recovery but on the inside there's still a lot of preoccupation with food and guilt and shame and anxiety and all of that and so I actually do think it's a myth or misconception that you can't get better I think you can and I've seen it with people who I do follow on social media so that's another one. I can't think of any more now. And what about what about if you know a loved one that is going through anorexia or has anorexia? What advice would you tell them? Well, I would definitely make sure that I'm in a safe place, in a very calm space before approaching the person. I wouldn't do it at the dinner table or in some kind of attacking voice. Number one is definitely don't comment on body size or shape. Something as as simple as, wow, you're looking really skinny, can provide a lot of ammunition for somebody to continue with what they're doing. Validation. 
validation exactly then on the other hand very like well-meaning people may say you're looking you're looking good you're looking healthy and that's misconstrued into i'm fat i'm bad i'm ugly and can send somebody in the spiral so um i would never go up to a person and comment on their body shape or size but what i would say to somebody is i would love to see your light again i would love to see the joy in your eyes again what can i do to help maybe be out in nature and just start to open up that conversation of what what do you need to do to find joy in life again and then do those things with that person and get the that spark back because when you're deep in an eating disorder the whole your whole world just revolves around food what you ate when you're going to eat and you know like your your whole life and your passions start to then just revolve around food and possibly also exercise and all the other wonderful things that you used to do creative things social things fade away and so to bring that back to find perspective in life again and see the broader picture again is important and to focus on again that yeah that inner light how to to focus rather on that rather than the external yeah and i also suggest possibly if the person is open to it getting asking if they can go and get professional care or seeing a therapist or a dietitian or a doctor or somebody most people are more open to hearing from a more objective party than a family member or even a friend so yeah absolutely and and now to kind of almost close your interview i saw your instagram page you, you're vegan around what age did you become vegan or have you always been vegan no um i became vegan in about 2014 so, so after yeah so after my kind of initial big phase of recovery and yeah i mean my my i choose to eat vegan for like major ethical reasons and i firmly believe that it's it's a way to help alleviate some pressure environmental pressure on the planet doesn't mean that everybody has to go vegan i do think that we can all eat a little bit less meat and it's happening and that's also not to say that veganism can i think any diet can become an can turn into an eating disorder you can be restrictive in veganism you can be restrictive if you're not vegan and it just really depends on on the mentality i think some people use veganism as as a way to restrict and to avoid quote unquote impure food or like not clean food and that's a tricky one to to navigate but i think that if there's a strong if there's a strong ethical stance or environmental stance behind it yeah i think it's i think it's okay what's your favorite recipes <laughs> oh i'm sorry to have a savory, lot savory of... sweet or savory breakfast lunch dinner i saw this one one um <laughs> one post where you had i think chocolate oatmeal uh, chocolate pudding yeah i love to add i love to add chocolatey things yeah um, chocolate at breakfast just add cacao to to oats or to a smoothie or to 
to pancakes or you can even like make some stuff with with sweet potato and i don't know just go wild with the cow yeah, yeah i'm starting to have um actually a, um, a lot of my friends and family members i mean they're starting off with, like pescatarian and then slowly their goal is to become vegan and like you said environmental uh better for the environment uh they don't want to kill animals um health reasons there's all sorts of either benefits but you have to feel like it's right for you yeah totally yeah. and there's also like no you're not you're not morally obligated yeah. to do anything really if it's if it's something that feels right for you then then do it mm-hmm. and for and me going vegan was just yeah felt very much in alignment yeah. and do you have any last tips 16 year old who has a dis- eating disorder and trying to recover or someone who's in the recovery process mm. i think it's important not to compare your recovery to anybody else everybody everybody reco- everyone's recovery looks a bit different and there's no like time frame on it but if you're if you're wanting to get better if you want to get back to that that inner light and joy and and love again that you that we were all born with and also to be able to eat freely intuitively again that we were all born with knowing how to do then it will happen that you just need a, that 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 desire to to walk that process and it's um it's a long path and it's not always glamorous and it's certainly painful and having people by your side helps and they will be there for you because you've chosen to take that courageous step and that doesn't go unnoticed in this in this big magical universe there are people there for you if you're if you're willing to to take that stand against that very critical voice which is not yours <laughs> it's not yeah. your voice these are These are really really great tips Francesca. I really do appreciate <laughs> being on the show, sharing your great insight, being vulnerable, sharing your story. And you know, there's a lot of people who are afraid to tell their story because they're either ashamed of it or they they don't really want to be open, but the more open you are, the more people you can help. and not only more people you can help the more people you can educate because there's a lot of people who don't know much about it including myself you know I'm still trying to learn uh, you know about eating disorders I don't I don't know anyone who've had to overcome it that I know of and just by you being on the show you're educating people and you're helping people at the same time so mm-hmm. really do appreciate it and where can people find you Yeah, so I think thank you for all of that. Thank uh-huh. you for saying all of that. <laughs> yeah, Instagram's always a great place. Uh at Francesca Eats Roses. I'm pretty responsive on there. I am on I'm also on Facebook, but Instagram's is best and my website is francescaeatsroses.com. Um and you know, I do have some recovery based blogs. Yeah. I'll include your Insta- Instagram and website cool. on on the podcast description just so yeah. if people want to message you for yeah, any free tips cool awesome thank I, you for having me <laughs> not a problem bye bye today's podcast episode was the first 
podcast episode on eating disorders. By interviewing Francesca Rose, who went through these different types of eating disorders and her journey on overcoming it, usually I have three or four takeaways, but today I only have two takeaways. The first takeaway is on your road to recovery, it's not about taking away certain foods or eating certain foods. It's about knowing your inner self, who you are as a person. And many times when we develop unhealthy habits, whether it is eating disorders or whether it's something else, it really has to do with the habit and it has more to do with loving your inner self and knowing who you are as a person. So on the road to recovery, it really you have to dig deep and ask yourself, who am I? What do I like? What do I not like? And when we're asking these types of questions, stop trying to have other factors of influence, like other people's opinion, like social media. And you really have to dig deep and know who you are so your road to recovery can be faster and you can live a healthier lifestyle. A second takeaway I've got, I got from interviewing Francesca Rose is a lot of our unhealthy habits come from comparing ourselves with other people, like in social media, a male and a female. When you have an image in your, in your brain on how you're supposed to look, that's when unhealthy habits form. So on your road to recovery, not only do I think that you should really dig deep and know who you are as a person, is number two, second takeaway, is you should stop comparing yourself with other people because comparing yourself with other people is going to be a dark road, a dark path into failure because you can never live up to someone else's expectation. You never know what someone else is going through. So instead of comparing yourself with someone else, compare yourself to yourself from yesterday. This concludes this podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't done so, uh, download my seven quick and easy ways to feel better about yourself. These are tips I've compiled over the past 20 years, eight years of my life. And based off of the 30 interviews that I have done with different people from all around the world. So these are seven quick and easy ways you can start implementing today. And these are life changing. So go ahead and download it. And until next time, peace.